Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Life Chatter. I'm your host, Aaron Feliz. This podcast was made to help people understand that we can all learn something from one another if we just took the time to ask questions. Everyone knows something you do not. And to hopefully encourage people to have intentional conversations with friends, family, and strangers. Today's episode is one that impacts every one of us. We are influenced by it every single day, whether you are paying attention to it directly or not. It influenced us. The media has pushed and pulled us in a positive or negative direction. Regardless, it has its influence. Kevin is a great friend of mine, and he's a morning reporter reporting out of Burlington, Vermont. Kevin had a teacher in Silmato. A reporter has two jobs. The first to seek the truth and report it, and the second to minimize harm. I often wonder, what is the true purpose of news outlets and their intention of exposing information? It's tough nowadays to truly locate information without it sounding opinionated and biased. To find a truth is harder now than ever before, especially with so many organizations seeking your attention. With social media and news outlets seeking attention and ratings, they will do many things to get your eyes locked on that screen. And so many news stations are contradicting one another with facts, which leads other viewers to ponder what is really going on and who can be trusted. It seems like everyone, even our own friends and family, think they are professionals. When I want to seek trusted, factual-based information, I turn to professionals, in this case, Kevin. Kevin's profession is geared towards media and finding relevant, as well as any information to expose to the public that would be beneficial to know. The truth is, many news outlets are targeted and tailored towards whatever political party supports them more. Some are more conservative, some are Democratic, Republican, and more. Kevin and I share our thoughts on the influence of media. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, crazy days and, you know, crazy time to be joining the world of journalism professionally. But at the same time, I can't imagine still doing anything else. So I guess that's a good time. <laughs> you, you're doing what you love, right? You love what you do. <laughs> yeah. I've known, I've known for a reason where I want to do it, so it's, you know, it just feels good to actually do it for real, for real, for real. And you kind of see things, how they kind of like unpack and how they kind of progress, I'm sure it's, it's a beautiful experience. Tough. And hopefully we'll get to talk about it, especially you moving from like Massachusetts and Connecticut pretty much up to Vermont to the middle of like, you have no idea what the heck you are. Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of bad <laughs> yeah. uh, But at the same time, it's like, you know, it feels good to be settled, I guess, settled, I guess somewhere, somewhere for a little bit. You know, knowing that I get to kind of continue to travel after this, but at the same time, kind of starting where I'm at and just enjoying, you know, like we, we've talked about in the past, just sort of enjoying where I'm at for now and, you know, really, really buying into it. Love it. And that, that last piece, right, that's so important. Right? So you buy into it, right? So many people go somewhere, and they're like, you know, they're not not 100% there, you know, maybe they're 7%, they're 60 and, that, and and that's completely reasonable. But if you really, again, want to make the most of it, you got to be 100% bought in. Otherwise, there will be more reasons for you to leave. That's huge, man. And so as we keep going on, there's something I always got, I always mentioned in the beginning of all these and um, it's, you know, the purpose of why we're doing this, right? Especially while we're doing live Instagram stuff. And the biggest piece is it hopefully provides people the opportunity to get to have intentional conversations, you know, with other people, you know, something about this, like the influence of media and 
if you have friends who are good at what they do in their craft, it's kind of like a mini apprenticeship. You, like, you get to learn from their scope. Like I wish more people did that for each other. So there's that. And there's that piece, you know, kind of connection of everyone knows something you don't. No, that's, yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, part of the reason I love journalism, for example, is because every day you essentially get to talk to someone that's an expert in something that you know nothing about or you know minimal about, um, which is, you know, to me, just very incredible to, you know, basically have a job, but be learning something new every day. That, that's just unbelievable. And you're doing so much for yourself from a neurological standpoint, right? Like we're talking about even like stuff like, you know, the people who have early onset of dementia or Alzheimer's, you know, big pieces, memory cognition, right? But a big piece of it, if we're not constantly working our mind to, to process new information and to, to, um, to even process, analyze, but also like implement it, then it kind of like goes in the back burner, right? Um, so hopefully with this conversation, hopefully more people are inclined again like we've had several conversations we didn't we don't need to have a live you know instagram video but we're you know the purpose is hopefully help show other people that like, they can hopefully they start having more intentional conversations like reach out to those friends like you know and i'm sure we'll talk about a little bit like i was in the middle of vermont and i was like hey kevin i know you're up here somewhere are you close and you're like yeah i'm 10 minutes away i'm like what <laughs> especially because i was leaving colchester when you texted yeah. me and you're like i was like where are you and you're like colchester vermont and i was like interesting i'm about to be 15 minutes away from you but that time is growing because i just left your town <laughs> kevin tell us a little bit about yourself um especially what the top of it also maybe a little bit about our connection our relationship like how we kind of met yeah okay so for sure. You, uh, you took me on a run and absolutely kicked my ass running. Um, basically the first day of freshman year of college. Um, and then from there it was, you know, more or less just getting to know you from that point and, um, you know, going to different things, you know, you were an NSO leader. I became a pre-camp leader. We were kind of bouncing around, you know, we got to know each other, um, sort of in a quote unquote professional setting, um, you know, working, towards something, toward a goal, working with freshmen. So I think, you know, right off the bat, we had something in common. Um, and then from there, it was just a matter of kind of, you know, building a relationship around that. You know, we, we found ourselves with a lot of, you know, similar friend groups, a lot of overlapping friends, which was really cool. So, you know, as time went on, we just kind of developed that, you know, friendship, um, which was awesome. And yeah, so as far as me, uh, graduated Springfield College, or as I like to call it, Zoom University 2020. Uh, finished up <laughs> there. I'm currently living in Burlington, Vermont, uh, working for WCAX Channel 3. Um, yeah, loving every second of it. I'm the morning reporter up here. Um, I get to, you know, spend my days doing stories that are tossed to me that I find. Um, get to go live a bunch of times in the morning. Um, you know, basically, you know, get to scream from the rooftops every morning. Good morning, Burlington. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at. I love that. And <laughs> it just, let me say, this feels super weird because I have not been on the receiving end of a question, like in this setting where it's like an interview in a very long time. So sitting here, like not prompted with, like not having questions sitting next to me or not having an idea of like questions I want to ask is unbelievably strange. <laughs>
before we kind of go in social media, I kind of want to talk about that. This is such a really interesting point, right? Like this is your profession, right? Like this, your profession entails you intentionally, you know, more often than not intentionally setting off, you know, time aside to talk to people and depending on the, the event or the situation, um, you know, I want to hear about the TJ Maxx one, you know, after this, you know, having intentional conversations where you have like a script in mind, right? You're like, I, I want to ask these questions. I've done this research. I've done that. Yeah. What is it like being on your side? Like, you know, so, now is it good? Do you like it? I know you said it's uncomfortable. Like, please elaborate. So I think, I think in every general situation, I prefer, there, it's just different kind of being on the receiving end of a question in an intentional conversation versus being on the asking side of a conversation um, when you're doing your job. So when I go to work and I know I have to interview person X, Y, Z, I know kind of what I want to talk to them about, what I want to get out of them. You know, the answers that um, I'm not necessarily looking for, but I have a general idea of the ground that I want to cover with them. And then you kind of, you know, you become comfortable stripping your questions and asking questions. And then there comes a certain point where you also really have to just listen to what they're saying. Because more often than not, the answers you want or the answers that will help make your story better are ones that are based off of something that they said. So it's basically follow-up questions. Um, based on a question that I might have scripted um, and decided to ask. So that feels super weird. But that being said, when I'm not doing my job, I do love, you know, opening up to people or answering questions for people. Um, you know, I, I like to think I try to be a relatively open book for people. So when there comes a point where, you know, I'll definitely just let people, you know, ask away. Um, and that definitely feels, you know, it's different. It's, you know, being on the opposite side of that coin, um, which is super cool. And, you know, at the same time, there's just that weird sort of like awkward feeling of people asking you questions when you're just kind of not used to it. So I can well, hope that especially with experience, you know, you be on the other side and again, it's beneficial, it's helpful. I hope that it also serves as a reminder of why you, you do things because you know, I think I told you, I told you before, especially me, someone who, you know, I have a degree in teaching, but also pursuing a degree in counseling, you know, there's a piece of our process that it's so important to be on the other side of that. So we'll do mock counseling sessions where you're not a client and your friend, you know, the, your classmate is the clinician. And that's so important because you get to see what it's like from the other side. You know, I think we all need to be reminded of that in all our professions. I think sometimes, even with teachers, I'll be the first to say it too. Like sometimes teachers, you forget what it means to be a student and how things can be processed, you know. It's the same thing I can only imagine maybe with media. Like, you know, sometimes we forget certain questions can definitely come off a certain way, right? But um, but there's still sometimes in your profession, like even if it's uncomfortable, like this question, this is the answer where you're seeking the truth. You know, yeah. you're trying to do yeah. so how hard it is, you got to ask it. Right. And that's, and that's, that's kind of a trick to asking questions is, you know, sometimes you have to think of yourself in the situation or the shoes of the person that you want to talk to or that you are talking to and sort of flip it on its head and think, okay, what would I want someone to ask me right now? Um, you know, and that I think is really important sort of with the empathy thing, because if you are able to kind of master empathy. Um, you sort of are able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and be able to appropriately approach them. 
um, and, you know, not overstep, but at the same time gain valuable and really important answers um, from people. So often, you know, being empathetic is just, you know, being able to ask questions that you would want to be asked if you were in that situation. Um, you know, and I haven't yet, thank goodness, haven't had, you know, many op uh, opportunities to, you know, speak with people who have gone through a traumatic event. Um, I know it's, it'll come up in the course of my career. You know, it's not something I necessarily want to shy away from, but I know that I'll approach someone at some point who has experienced trauma. And, you know, that's something that I just have to work on and hopefully get better at as time goes on. I love that, man. So let me ask you, Kev, you know, there's nothing like doing this. If we're looking at our topic here, right, which is the, the influence of media, what, what would your definition be of the term influence? Influence, okay. So influence to me has just changed over time, I guess. If you looked at, you know, the influence of the printing press, you know, that was a global world rocker um, way back in the day. So I think influence to me just is more of what, what sort of impact does an event or what sort of impact does, um, in this case, media have on the rest of the world. So it comes down to how it's, how it's changing people's lives, I guess, would be my definition. So how, how does what's happening in the world directly affect me so that my attitude or my thoughts will change. It's, it's really about sort of, I wouldn't say changing minds, but opening your mind because you still might not agree with something. And, you know, I think every day, you know, people find themselves disagreeing with something um, from time to time. But at that same moment, you know, if, if something really has an influence, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's changing someone's mind, but it, it more just means that you're opening someone's mind, I guess would be the correct way to phrase that. Do you have a definition for <laughs> No, and I, I like that. So I just want to make sure I'm hearing that. This is a putting mind, but you know, what is happening in the world that can you know, maybe change our perception? Is that, am yeah. I hearing that right? Yeah. So I guess kind of a, in layman's terms, you know, in relating it, kind of swinging it back to the media, you know, if you're really doing your job, you're not necessarily changing anyone's mind. That that would be pushing an opinion or pushing an agenda. You're essentially just providing. So, if I'm defining, you know, what like my job or any other reporter's job in the world would be, it's not necessarily to influence or push, which is why the influence of media is kind of an oxymoron, I think would be the correct grammatical term for that. Because if media is influencing, it's not doing its job. So yeah. and that's kind of the dangerous yeah. game that you're playing. Because essentially, I've always thought of the job of anyone in any sort of media to be to pr put basically every single fact that is available, um, kind of in front of you. And then it becomes the reporter's job, the producer, you know, everybody behind the scenes to sort of aggregate that into something digestible by a general human in the population and then hand them everything that they need to know in an appropriate fashion so that they can then form their opinions. 
And if you want a case specific thing, like you mentioned the mask story I did the other day, if you want a case specific, so yesterday I did a story on face masks in South Burlington and the news station posted it on Facebook, like the written version of it. Um, And the part that kind of blew my mind was the Facebook comments just lit up immediately um, with like people essentially just kind of like voicing their opinions on masks. But I, I think part of the whole story that I, you know, I liked and I was reading through some of the comments and no one was really able to use what I put out there as ammunition, I guess, to essentially back up their side, which to me was really good because if they had been able to pull something from my story that I said in my script, not necessarily like the quotes from the people that I talked to, but something from my script directly, if they were able to pull something, you know, from that I said and say, well, the reporter said this, I'm not doing my job. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Is this essentially the last thing you want? I'm so glad you asked that because one of, and this is what we were talking about before, right? You know, you have these questions, and if you listen intently, you get some answers in different ways. And, yeah. and you ask more questions, you know, you dive deeper. So that piece, I'm so glad you said that oxymoron, you know. Yeah. From, it's so interesting that uh, it's, you give the facts, right? What's occurring, and you allow other people to think and, you know, have their own perceptions on it. Like you just give the facts. Like, that's what it is. You try to be unbiased as much as you can. Right. I think that's sometimes that's tough. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, that's definitely a, uh, a skill that you need to learn. It's not just something that just gives, it's just given right away. Like, yeah. Yeah, that over time. And I think that's a big thing. You, uh, you ever heard of a guy named Albert Schweitzer? The name's not right about we talk about, you know, stoic stuff and being able to, um, you know, have a kind of experience, but also be spiritually connected and whatnot. And there's this, there's this video and it's all about, you know, like the law of attraction mm-hmm. and I can send it to you if you want it. And this yeah, no. guy, it's Earl Nightingale, Earl Nightingale, Earl Nightingale. He forgets his name. Anyways, he was, Isn't it Florence uh, Nightingale? what? Florence Nightingale. I, I, was Ur, I think it might be Earl. You also made it right too, right? Anyways, oh, yeah. the point is, he was talking about this piece that he asked his no, late Nobel Peace Prize winner, you know, Dr. Albert Schweitzer, and he's like, Doctor, what is wrong with men today? And I'm assuming that he meant men by being, you know, mankind, you know, everyone. I'm hoping, right? Hopefully they're not ignorant to just be like male only, right? There's females too. There's other people too here. This piece of, he's like, what is wrong with men today? And the doctor paused and he said, men, mankind, simply don't think. We simply don't think so what do i mean by that it's so interesting because i think that uh i believe that a lot of people live their lives with someone else in the driver's seat you know we can we can have a, a whole other you know conversation on that but it's this piece of you know we're talking about you especially as a media person right the media itself overall if they're doing their job correctly it's here are the facts here's what's going on make of it what you what you want but we live in a society where it's like no tell me what to think like or yeah. if we didn't, or if we didn't want that, we're so far into that kind of culture that that's what's already happening, right? Yeah. It's like there's a, you know, I 
I don't want to sit here and th- I don't want to, to, to spend more time on this. Just give me the answer. It's kind of like, you know, um, you probably see that in so many different professions. I don't want to no. Just give me the answer. I'm here. I'm asking you for an answer. Give me the answer. And right. you know, and I know you're not in agreement because we both can agree that, that that does more harm than good at for, times. For sure. I I think you're you know for for me it's always I think that's you know why I never liked math. If I could, it's kind of a weird sidebar but like I never liked math because there was just one answer and I could never get to it um whereas like when I would take my English classes or I would take you know any other class that involved any sort of interpretation um or any sort of you know thinking I guess besides just being able to compute something in your head I always enjoyed those classes more because it was you know it required you know the use of my brain and not the use of a formula um and I think that 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 separates you know kind of, you know, there's those people, like they always say, like some people have a math brain and their brain functions like that. And then some people have a quote unquote English brain, you know, where their brain thinks in that way, where it's, they don't like concrete answers. They like to, you know, dive into something a little bit more. Um, and I just totally took myself off track, but, oh, I know, I know the other thing I was going to say. Um, yeah. So you're the other thing, you know, about sort of putting yourself into a, they call it, or they called it in school, like a media bubble where, you know, we started to kind of go into this thought process of, um, you know, like you said, I want to be force fed everything and all the information possible. And then I don't have to think about it. It just goes in. I agree with it. And then, you know, I have more sort of, you know, power when I have a conversation, I guess. Um, and there's sort of a, it's sort of a double-edged sword because when you don't, question anything you're ever you ever hear you sort of have this weird you know kind of backwards um thinking of you know you never really think you never really listen to understand anymore you always are listening to respond um because you you have all of this you know these ideas and these i guess for lack of a better term points to sort of you know regurgitate and feedback to the person you're talking to. So you're not really listening or engaged. Um, but part of being in your media bubble too is, you know, it's so satisfying. And this is this is sort of where I think media gets dangerous is when you're sort of living in that media bubble that you become accustomed to. And, you know, social media has, you know, really sort of amplified it because of algorithms and things that you want to see just pop up and you might not even follow those people but they just pop up because your phone or your laptop or any sort of technology just knows that those are the things you want to see. Those are the things you want to hear. Those are the things. So like, that's why your Twitter feed, you don't follow half those people, but your Twitter feed is basically custom to exactly what you are thinking. Um, instead of, you know, where I think it would be more productive if they fed you some stuff from the other side as well. And it was, you know, less formulaic and more, you know, worldview, <laughs> um, I guess would be the way to put it. So, you know, being in your media bubble is so easy and it's, that's where that sort of influence comes from. Um, and I, I guess we can kind of touch on it as well, but, you know, also just the creation of commentary news shows um, mm. and commentary news outlets where essentially there's no news involved if there's just news yeah. in the title. 
uh, and then everything else is just commentary and it's someone's opinion based on the news. Yeah. So, but living in your media bubble is very, very, very easy and it's been sort of blown up in recent history um, because you can hide in there and assume that the entire world thinks like you and you're never in danger of your thoughts being infiltrated again, um, which you could argue either way if that does more harm than good. <laughs> no, you asked me earlier about what my definition of, you know, influences and that being that I think an influence can be good or bad, right? It can be right or wrong. It's a push or pull factor into, into, a, into a direction, into any direction. It's a push or pull factor. Sometimes both happen at once. It's like a pull in one direction, which is pushing away from another, right? Or, uh, you know, push in one direction that's, you know, pulling you away from another, right? It, again, your interpretation, you take it how you want to take it. But for me, you know, when I think about influence, I think about, you know, this, this piece of there's sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it isn't right. Like sometimes the way we just live our lives, you know, can be influential to other people, but that's just us. We're not sitting here being like, you need to do this. Everyone follow me. You have to do this, this, and this. It's like, no, you just live your life how you want to live it. Right. Um, and you might attract people thoughts about that. Um, but my, you know, for me, plain and simple is influence is a push or pull factor in, the, in a direction, whether good or bad. And it's, it, it'll, it'll originate from at least one person or a party of people. You know, someone has to do like social media, right? Like, even though there's just this Instagram, there's people behind that who create the algorithm. So at some point, man themselves, right? Like human beings had a, had a part in that especially when it comes to influence, like the push or pull factor, you have someone like Adolf Hitler, man. He influenced so many people to do something so wrong, right? But if you think about that, like the way he was able to, like, you know, when you articulate how he was able to do it, you're like, oh my God, like that's fascinating. Like how, how did you do it? Like, even though it was so wrong. Or you look at someone like Dwight D. Eisenhower, the complete opposite end of the spectrum, right? And you're like, how did you do that? You know, like yeah. in, in this piece of you know, getting, like you said before, how do you get people to buy in, mm -hmm. right? And it, are you intentionally doing it, or are you just showing the example? Yeah. But you know, and I can I, definitely go off on on that. I, I think whatever you know, whatever, especially you know, push and pull factor, you know, that, I think that sort of proves again why you know the concept of the media having is it makes no sense. It's like that's not. That's not its inherent nature to have a push or a pull. Like you, if, you, if you turn on the news, you're not supposed to be pushed or, pushed or pulled in any specific direction, um, which is, you know, I, I think there's been a certain, you know, it's been a long time coming and people have sort of lost, lost direction in what way the media is supposed to be going, um, you know, and it, and it you can kind of see it, you know, in, in the realm of, you know, social media, people use news outlets to push, you know, their own points and their own thoughts. And, it, you know, again, that's, that is exactly what it's not supposed to be doing. <laughs> it, they should, they should be pulling the facts from wherever they're, they're getting their news and then using those, um, which is why, you know, attributing your facts is... <laughs> key in journalism and if you can't attribute a fact then it's not a fact 
but at the same time, yeah, it's it's a dangerous game that I think people kind of fall into to have, you know, sort of this idea of like, hey, you know, when I'm reading this or I'm watching this news clip, what what am I getting out of it? <laughs> am I getting my own fire stoked or am I getting enlightened? <laughs> and that's that's what I guess I'll make my plug for like local news, for example, you know, people get so caught up. My roommate Clayton and I had this long conversation the other night about how prominent the big national news outlets are for sort of stoking people's individual fires, which is dangerous because you have sort of the, you know, these, this group of people who are, you know, super into, you know, using information for their own good. When in reality, I guess there's no, I'm losing my train of thought. Oh God, where's it going? <laughs> this happens so much. <laughs> and it's just when you're I lost my train of thought. That, that just, I don't know where that cloud, I had like this nice little cloud forming right here, right? It was just chilling. And then all of a sudden it was just like, all right, that's enough, see you later. And just chilled and flew off into the distance. Um, that was just, Hopefully this helps you track it because you're talking the difference between local news and national news and that more people are drive driven towards national news than they are local yes. news. Does that help? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, welcome. So, so, <laughs> yeah, so national news, you kind of have this like, you know, people are very caught up that what is happening across the globe or what is happening on the other side of the country immediately affects their lives because they have such easy access to it. And that's dangerous because yes, what's happening all over the globe is extremely important, you know, because you should always know what's happening all over, all over the place. But at the same time, the things that immediately and genuinely affect you are local news and what's happening in your neighborhood specifically, because those are the specific things that you can get involved with and you can sort of hop in on and, you know, contribute to. Um, and that's sort of, I guess, what the people get so caught up with what's happening all over the globe. And because national news in any realm has such a, you know, kind of a power grab on people's minds, local news in reality, it doesn't have the same sort of, I guess, quote unquote, influence, um, but it's not supposed to. And I think that's, that's sort of, once I worked for CBS in New York City and I sort of realized how disconnected they were to even just the city that they hold up residence in, New York City, you know, it's like they spend all of their time all over the world. They, there's tons of phenomenal stories happening right in New York. And granted, that's not the yeah. You know, there are local news outlets in New York City and they do a phenomenal job. But in reality, that's sort of what pushed me to really want to do local news and really kind of reassure myself that local news is where I want to be. It's what I want to do because it has an immediate impact on um, the people that I'm around. <laughs> you know, when we talk about local news, I can't help but think about Bruce Almighty and Jim Carrey talking about like, that's the way the cookie crumbles, you know, and talking about this massive cookie, right? But like, that's a big thing for that town. 
You know, that's a huge yeah. thing that's like, imagine, you know, you don't always, especially like, you know, like Vermont, like, you know, for someone like me coming from like tri-state area and then living up in, you know, New England a little bit, yeah. you, you see all these big areas, these giant populated areas, but you go to somewhere like, you know, you know, Colchester and Burlington, Vermont, are the, one of the highest populated areas in Vermont, that even there, like, those are small areas. Yeah. That and there's these small towns that people again when, when we look at it they're just there's like you want there to be this camaraderie like you know this this connectiveness of like we're from here like this yeah. is our town we're from here and we have pride in it so you know and we can go off about it you know being you know having a sense of like nationalism but I don't know how you on a local level you know what I mean like maybe, um, <laughs> maybe. Yes, you know, if anyone has the answer to that, you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah. You know, having this for the local area. And so, as I say that, you know, people who are watching here, please let us know what do you think? Like, are you connected to your local news media outlets? Are you not? Do you think they're beneficial? You know, yeah, and, those are, please let us know what your thoughts are. And I think what's funny, you know, too, it's like it, there's been this kind of massive trend. So, like, I have. I have two Twitters. I have my work Twitter, which is um, basically where I, I post all my content and you know sometimes some funny stuff happening in news and stuff like that. And I have just my like personal funny Twitter that's more just you know. I, I think one of my most recent tweets was about the quesadilla being one of the most versatile of the grains. Um, so yeah, so that that's sort of like the range that Twitter goes. But um, no, there's been kind of this you know push on. Twitter, and I don't know if other people see it, I follow a lot of journalists, so, you know, they've really pushed, you know, the concept of, you know, people are really up in arms about, like, why isn't the media covering this, or why isn't the media covering that, and it's because they only have access to, or they only see CNN, Fox, MSNBC, yes. CNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, when instead, if you just click on, you know, <laughs> A local website or on Facebook, 90% of the content on there is local news outlets covering something, whether it be off the AP wire, which is like sort of this giant national, international um, news content source that they have writers everywhere. Um, and I think one of the most famous examples of this was LeBron tweeted out. It was a very, it was a peaceful protest back right after George Floyd's death. And LeBron actually tweeted out, he goes, why isn't the media covering this? And right on the picture that he retweeted was a tag to a local newspaper. And I remember thinking to myself, like, uh, sir, <laughs> that picture is courtesy of a local newspaper. Um, yeah. And people just don't understand that a lot of the content they're seeing every single day is local news. But it's, it's not necessarily, again, influencing them in any way. So they don't really give much credence to it if that makes sense. That does, and I, there was something I was thinking about before, is I wonder if it's because, you know, we were talking about this piece of influence, right? And that we also talked about this piece of, you know, you know, uh, MSNBC or CBS, you know, Fox, CNN, those media outlets have the largest audiences. Yes. And so, yes. you know, when you look at it, you're like, okay, so like, if, if this is such a large audience, you know, almost everyone in their grandma is watching these, right? Why are the, why are these local news not making it to that news you know casting station? Which one can argue why they do, why they don't, but I think that's maybe what people are trying to get at. It's like, hey, like there's this thing happening, 
everyone should know about it. Like, it shouldn't just be this small thing. It should be, like, all out there. Like, you know, when all this stuff was happening about all this, you know, racial and social injustice and systemic oppression, you know, I, I turned Clayton onto this, and I don't know if you saw it, this, um, the, the morning brew. I was talking to him, like, hey, do you follow this thing? And it has opened my eyes to a lot of the local stuff, like the small things that, you know, Fox, MSNBC, CNN are not covering, right? Like, you know, to see that the, the CEO of Reddit was gonna, you know, he's, he's, um, He's stepping down, you know, and because like he's like you know, a person of color should be in this position, not just any person of color, but someone who's qualified. Because he's like, I don't wanna, you know, from a moral standpoint and a value standpoint, he's like, I don't wanna, you know, 10, 15 years from now, my daughter asked me, Hey dad, what did you do during this time? His daughter being a woman of color because his wife is Serena Williams. So he's like, you know, I don't want my daughter 10 to 15 years from now to ask me, hey, dad, what did you do? And I did nothing. Yeah. But like, but I, from my knowledge, Fox didn't cover that. CNN didn't cover that. MSNBC didn't cover that. CBS didn't cover that. You know, it was, but if, and, if, and imagine the impact that would have been had if they did. And that, well, that's, as you, no, I think, and I think that's sort of what, you know, I think that's what, makes local news really powerful is because they're not, not only are they outnumber the national media by a lot. So they're covering, but they're just covering less surface area, I guess. Yeah. So one of the dangers of like national news and um, international news is sort of this concept of like, okay, why do the people of America care is sort of what, when I used to sit in meetings, you know, every meeting is like this, but it's like, you know, why do people care? You know, why do Americans care about this story, for example? Um, and that's common. In every newsroom in America, you're asking that question. Why do people care? But when you get down to a local level or a state level, you know, but some states have four or five news markets covered by, you know, three stations in each market. That's a lot of news. Um, so you have, you know, there's this question of why do people care? And the national news outlets have to sort of think, okay, why does America care? Well, America's going through a very divisive moment right now. So naturally you're gonna think, okay, why do Americans care? But you want people to watch. So you're gonna sort of play the game of why do the majority of Americans care? But then you're leaving out the minority. So there's sort of this really strange I don't want to call it a game, but there's this really strange formula that sort of has to be gone through um, when you're, you know, telling a story. Whereas when it comes to local news, states are much more cohesive. They're much more, and areas are much more cohesive. So they kind of can think of the same question. Why does this person care? Why does Vermont care about these stories? So you can tell very localized, specific stories and at the same time, still be able to tie it into your local area. And I, so, for example, you know, a story like masks in South Burlington, very specific thing. Like this person came specifically because South Burlington had a mandatory mask requirement. They showed up. People weren't wearing masks. They were confused. Okay. So, you know, I get a hold of this story and I think to myself, okay, why, granted, South Burlington will naturally care because it's their town, but then you also think to yourself, okay, why does Vermont, you know, mm. why does, why do they care about what's 
you know, what's going on with masks. Well, a lot of their towns are grappling with the same questions. You know, can masks be mandatory? Can you enforce that? Um, so if I can, you know, as one reporter in one little station, think to myself, okay, why do, why do people care? You know, you sort of, you can answer those questions for a lot of people, you know, can masks be enforced? Can, is this a, a local thing? And then, you know, the cool thing about local news is you can, you can sort of apply things that are happening locally to a lot of places in America, specifically during a time like now, during the coronavirus. But you can't often take a national story and zero it all the way down to one specific area. Does that make sense? It does. You're playing a very kind of flippy floppy game. And yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I still don't like to call it a game because it's never really a game, but at the same time, you're sort of, you're, it's a balancing act, would be the best way to put it. It's a balancing act. And it's, you know, it's something that, you know, you have to always kind of have in the back of your mind is that common question of why does X, Y, Z care? You know, I, you're talking about, and I'm so glad you, why, why do they care? Like, why do people care? You can answer that question for so many people. And, you know, for someone, hopefully that's still watching, or she was, or she's still here, um, is Christina. Uh, you know, someone who you worked with, you know, and still work alongside. Like, I, I would love to know her point of view. Like, Christina, like, what do you think? Another, another, another reporter. And again, like, as long as it's okay to ask, because it's not to be like, oh, like, let's get these two to clash and contradict. No, like, if yours is a different opinion, like, that's okay. Like, right? So, feverishly yeah. typing at her keyboard, I can feel it. <laughs> She's feverishly typing at her keyboard, I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, well, hopefully, while Christina, hopefully as you're responding, Kevin, then let me ask you this, man. Why, just, I guess just simply like, uh, Christina, I'd love to know, like, what is your, you know, kind of, kind of summarize that. What is your, what do you think is the, is the difference between the local news versus a national news station? Would you say that's a, that's a, that's a question, Kevin, would you say like, if you summarize yeah, it? Or, yeah. Let me ask Kevin. Yeah. Why? Why is the media so negative? Like, why is it that people are again? It's so many people are saying. Why are there so many negative things happening? You know, why are they occurring? Why is there? Is you always hear people like, why aren't there more positive things? Why is there this or that? Like, why is media so negative? There or national media? Say that national, yeah. national media. To be quite honest with you, I don't think there is one correct answer to that. Nor do I think media is all that negative, I guess, when you really look at it, it's, I think people interpret it as negative, which I think, you know, they have a valid point a lot of the time, you know, media can come off as negative sometimes. But at the same time, I think it's just often that sort of, I, I guess it's the, it was the Washington Post that used to always say, um, you know, your, your job is to sort of turn a light on in the darkest places when it comes to media. That's sort of your quote unquote job, you know, and it's, and it's not necessarily that they're seeking out negative things. It's just that negative things at times are newsworthy. It's people, they, because they directly impact a lot of people's lives. So your job is to sometimes dig into 
some really gross, bad, not nice things. So you're essentially just, your job is to sort of turn the light on um, for people. Um, and yes, that will get perceived as negative at times. And so I don't think there is one answer to that, I guess would be the, the easiest way to answer because it's a case by case basis. You know, like you have to report on the house fires and, you know, the murders and stuff like that, but only because the mistake that one person might have made in leaving their, you know, their iron on a table that caught on fire, you know, if you mention that, that could save one more house from burning. You know, so I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily that media is inherently negative. I really don't think it is, but I think people just perceive it as negative because they're putting, they're not giving it a, a positive spin, I guess. And that's all about media consumption, sort of how you, how you take what's being given to you. His network outlets are intentionally <laughs> as, as much as they remain, they try to remain objective. The station is often forced to perpetuate a partisan view to Fox news. We know that, they have a conservative Republican outlet, the proof of which is easy to find in just a warning article. It's a paradigm shift. Unfortunately, outlets like CBS, ABC, and NBC are also. So it's funny. I'll actually respond to that because I read a book. I, so I am an absolute news nerd. I'll preface this next statement with that. Um, I am an absolute news nerd, and I read mostly books from some of like the old guard of TV journalism. So Edward R. Murrow, Walter Cronkite, Ted Koppel, like some of the guys that have just been sort of admired for years as being that, you know, the, the pillar of great broadcast journalists. Um, so I try to read because I think they have brilliant minds and I think that there's a lot to be learned from the things that they leave behind. But one of the best journalism books I ever picked up and it's, it was aggravating as I read it, but it was a book called Bias. And I remember when I first picked it up, I was immediately like, oh man, this is going to be like a total lay into, you know, um, like Fox, for example, and just sort of going into like conservative bias and media. And that's going to be super easy to like understand. And I remember opening the book and like right off the bat, it's talking about liberal bias. And I kind of immediately went, what? Like <laughs> liberal bias, that's what? <laughs> that's a thing? And then I really started thinking about it and like, you know, when I'm doing my job, I think to myself, how can I, you know, be as objective as possible and, you know, not put an opinion in there, but like, personally, I have an opinion. So I remember thinking to myself, like, liberal bias, what, like, what does that mean? And the more, the whole book was just about liberal bias in media. And they, it was actually calling out CBS back in the late 90s for being biased, but in the opposite direction than most people would think is a thing. And the reason I guess that I never was able to really recognize it until I read the book was just because I agreed <laughs> with a lot of the things that they were talking about. Um, so it was kind of thinking, you know, to myself, you know, okay, there, yes, there is a liberal bias in the media in certain outlets. And once you're able to kind of recognize it, it becomes much more easy to identify and then it becomes much easier to sort of look beyond that. Um, so you have sort of this, um, you know, like Fox News is very easily identifiable as 
bias because they're a right-leaning, and I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the things that they have to say necessarily. So, but then you kind of look at a news outlet like CBS that looks much more down the middle, and then you really start to look at it and you go, hmm, interesting. Like, yeah, I guess there is bias in there. I guess there's bias in all national news. You know, because of exactly what Christina just put in the answer is keep in mind, large news outlets are often at the whim of huge corporations. Ultimately, news is a business. Um, so at some point, someone's got to get paid, which is kind of, you know, the really sad, you know, answer to it. And you look at something like PBS, they don't have the same resources that CBS, ABC, and NBC have because they're public. They're, you know, they're not answering to advertisers. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it, it, it's so helpful, especially, and that's why I love these it's, um, around intentional conversations, but also, you know, you learn so much from people. Again, this is your scope, right? This is Christina's scope. And I know, Christina, you were saying you have limited characters. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you being so interactive and, and answering and, you know, putting it there at the same time, like I told you the weekend, you know, it'd be so cool to do a live Instagram with you. We would just have a conversation on the side. You know, I would, there's probably so much, there's, there's not probably, there definitely is so much I can learn from you as well as I'm learning here from Kevin and just like Clayton and all the people who hopefully I get to meet. Um, and, you know, it's so interesting because you're right. Someone has to get paid, right? So for some news broadcasters, no, from every news broadcaster, literally how they put food on the table for themselves or the family, right? Like that's just like somebody put, they're doing that to put food on the table, to have a roof over their heads, right? And I think sometimes as, as the consumers, we forget about that. However, we also need to be mindful of, you know, we need to understand that yes, there are people too, but also be mindful of the, the media we're consuming, right? And just being aware of like, okay, like what, what are the facts? You know, I've run into, I feel like I've run into this problem so many times. I'm just like, okay, there's this person saying this and then this and then this and then this, like, and they all seem to be on a huge gradient of, of one event or series of events, I'm like, okay, what's the actual fact though? Like, I'm much more like you said, like, like, give me the facts and I will, you know, interpret them as I will, but just please give me the facts. Like it helps because I feel like I go to this, you know, this weird um, dynamic of like, what is real? Like, what is, what is true? What is, what is not? Cause you, you hear, you hear all these different people saying all these different things and you start to question like, what's the truth? My brother said it, and I loved it. My brother says this, and I'll never forget it. He says, there's three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and the truth. Fact. You're right? There's your opinion, my opinion, my, my, your interpretation of what happened, my interpretation of what happened, and actually what happened. And that's why you know, I think so, again, hopefully what law enforcement is supposed to be doing is like, this is what occurred. Like, and we see it on camera. You clearly stole you know, like six Twix bars. Like, what do you mean you didn't take it? Like, you, we see you taking it. This is what happened. Boom. Like, that's just a fact. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and you know, that stuff is, is so interesting, man. Like, yeah, and so, that yeah, leads so. into that. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. What, no, I was just going to kind of keep going off. Christina, she kept responding. Yeah, um, please. Um, and she kind of pushed, you know, what I was saying about local news and worded it much better than I did in my sort of word vomit, but um, local news outlets have a lot more flexibility. We focus more on the issues that specifically relate and resonate with viewers, which is exactly true. And sort of tailor the news that you're doing and the news that you're talking about to the people that are watching you um, without having to, 
you know, relate to everybody. It's, you know, you're, you're relating to a specific group of people, which in many cases is sort of helpful <laughs> because, you know, because you, you can, a lot of people, and I think part of the beauty of local news as well is you develop a very great communal relationship with the people in your area. So they trust you and that trust goes a long way. Uh, like when you turn on your local news, you might see those people walking around. You might, exactly. you might interact with them. You might do, you know, you, you could see them at a restaurant, in a grocery store, anyway. So it's, you know, there's sort of this relationship where they turn on the news to know what's happening in their area. And they trust you with that information. And it's, you know, it's, that's where it becomes, you know, our responsibility to make sure that what they're getting is very specific fact and that's it. And it's funny that your brother said that because my professors say that all the time. You know, it's like there's three sides. You got one side, the other side, and the truth. And it's your job to take both sides and then, you know, run down the middle with the truth, um, with the facts, with the things you can back up, with, you know, the things that you can sort of attribute to someone or something, um, press releases or, you know, first-hand sources, secondary sources, um, sometimes you know, even anonymous sources, which are dangerous at times, um, but can be extremely helpful, like in the Watergate scandal. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's, there's all, you know, there's, there's all sorts of like ethics of journalism, I guess, which is what we're kind of going into now. And like, I always joked with um, my friends, uh, Gabby Gerard and Cam Smith, that we were gonna get tattoos on our arms of what our professor used to always say, there's two jobs in local news. You seek the truth and report it, and then the other job is to minimize harm. So it's your job, you know, if you can go about your job every day without ruining someone's life, that's a good day. <laughs> you know, and, and my favorite part kind of on the flip side of that is, you know, sometimes you catch people in, you know, really low points, which can really stink. <laughs> sometimes you catch people like that's the worst day that they've had in years. I always think about it. You know, it goes back to that empathy thing, but I've always thought of it as, you know, here, you know, here's someone that's having just a horrible day, but maybe you can offer them a platform to speak what's going on in their head, um, which is sort of the beauty of news, local news specifically. You know, you catch, you know, I interviewed one of my first days on the morning show. You know, there was a guy who had just lost his business in a fire. At the time, we didn't know, you know, was it salvageable? What, you know, what else was going on? Um, you know, was he going to be able to recreate his business? And I walked up to him and I remember it was super uncomfortable because I had never really had to deal with something like that before. So, you know, it's not like I could relate to him, but I walked up to him and, you know, I basically just said, if you would like to sort of speak what's going on in your mind, I would love to listen. And I'm sure, you know, my photographer would love to listen. And a lot of the people in Vermont might want to listen as well. And sure enough, he decided, he was like, yeah, sure. So the interview took probably 25, 30 minutes to get done because, you know, he was still processing everything going out of his head. But at the same time, you know, he had that opportunity to sort of get out what he was feeling and, you know, sort of walk us through what it was like to be in that moment. And, um, 
you know, I think, I think that's part of the beauty as well. It's like, yeah, you catch people at some really bad times, but you get to be that person, that first person that they might get to talk to about it, which that is super cool. Or just anyone in general that wants to talk yeah, about yeah. it, you know, um, without pressing too much on it. Peaceably, I said before, you know, I was, I'm going through a tough time right now. And again, you just be like, I would like to create that space for you. I would like to do this if you want. If you don't want to, that's fine. Some people never get that. And that's the reality of things. Some people, everyone's probably thinking, like, ooh, we should probably shouldn't talk about it. If I don't want to think about it. But it just helps to know that someone cares, you know, yeah. and gives it to you. You know, as we're kind of finishing up here, man, I want you to know I really value this conversation. It's really helpful. It really makes me think about the town I grew up in and if we really had any local media outlets as far as, you know, like a, like a small news station. We had the local paper, right? I remember that, but I don't remember us having a local, like, news station with reporters that wasn't, like, a large – we probably did, you know, and I'm, I'm just – I have no idea who these people are, which is – Bad on my part. New Jersey, I know, is kind of strange because New York feeds into New Jersey and then Long yeah. Island feeds into New Jersey a little bit. And so New Jersey kind of gets like, they get like the butt of the deal where they kind of get split into all sorts of different markets. Um, so it gets a little strange. Like I know Pennsylvania, I think, even has a little bit of New Jersey. So it's a very complicated thing going on where you are. <laughs> it really is, man. I'm still learning more, and no, I, I, like I told you, every morning I, I try to read that morning brew, and it's like my news outlet. At least I try to keep up to date with what's going on, especially as a someone who wants to be a counselor, as a coach, and all this. Like I want to know what's going on in the world, but also like I also need to know what's going on in the local communities. Like I'm working with kids from Holyoke, you know, it'll behoove me, to, you know, working with kids in Springfield, behoove me to know what's going on in their area and how that affects them. Why? Why should? Um, but also like when you work with them, like why shouldn't you care? You know about yeah. local stuff. So. Well, it's funny, a lot of people, you know, you're starting to watch sort of, you know, where media is going, I guess. Um, and you're starting to see like this overwhelming wave of people who are sort of tired, I guess, of, you know, being force fed information that they don't either necessarily agree with or that they know is one sided or isn't presenting a totally honest case because it's, it's becoming less of a presentation of fact and more of a, a cherry picking of facts and then handing them to you. So people are really starting to kind of, it seems like, get fed up with sort of the, the way media has been in the past. And you're starting to see like things like where you get your media from, The Morning Brew, or um, you know, I, I subscribe to this thing called The Donut. And it essentially just takes all of the most important stories and every morning just puts them in my email inbox and leaves me with everything going on in the world, but it provides links to different sources, whether local yep. or national, to cover all sides so that you can form your own judgment. And yes. that, I think, is where media is kind of headed, is sort of people are going to be getting their information from <laughs> people who aggregate the media for them. So there, there's going to be whole companies, it seems like, based around just funneling the amount of information that people have access to and making it even more digestible for them, yeah. which is kind of insane to think about why we would even need that. You know, why do you need someone to fact check someone that should be fact checking? But at the same time, you know, it's, if that's the way it has to go and it's giving people the best information they possibly can, that's great. And you know, if that's, if that's what has to happen, you know, that then so be it, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll ride that wave. <laughs> 
I, I want to say, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to to not only be a part of this, but also, you know, this, this the live Instagram stuff. It also, be, you know, allowed me to be part of the conversation with you. And, you know, um, it's I definitely have taken a lot from this and I'm learning a lot and still am. And I just really appreciate, I want to let you know that I really appreciate you being present in my life. Honestly, like, you know, like before this, we were talking about something completely different. And you're like, hey, man, I'm here for you. You need it. And you, you're providing that space, you know, it shows you care. And I hope I can only do that for you in return. You know, you feel like that. Um, but just a reminder, man, you're, you're a kick-ass dude. You're pretty, you're freaking, you're pretty rad. Yeah, and uh, thank you for letting me do this. This was really cool. Um, definitely got more comfortable as time went on being on the other side of the questions. Um, I'll just plug support local news, support local newspapers, you know, yes. subscribe to local newspapers, cost a little bit of money, but that's, you know, it's worth it. Yeah. And, you know, thank you. This has been phenomenal. And, you know, I, I look forward to <laughs> talking to you off the public forum. <laughs> yeah. Likewise, man, as you're right, folks, you heard Kevin say it, please, please, please follow your local media news outlets. Be mindful of what you're consuming. Right. Be mindful of the media you're taking in, where it's coming from, the sources, but also do your facts, fact checks if you need to. At the same time, don't always be like, tell me the information. Make up your make up your own opinions. Like you make up your own facts. Like be be intentional. Think. Look at media literacy and follow. That's that's the biggest thing. I love that. And so, folks, you know, who are looking at this now, we'll look at this later. Please give Kevin a follow. Check what he's doing up there. You know, in Burlington, Vermont. What I keep doing down here in Massachusetts and kind of doing my thing. But uh, now I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you as a person and we'll talk soon, my friend, all right? Yeah, peace, love, news. Peace, love, news. <laughs> Adios. Thank you for choosing to listen to Life Chatter. If you liked today's episode and previous ones and have an inkling to be featured in my show, it would be awesome to have you. Simply go on Instagram, follow me, at airfully7 and send me a message. I'm open to a conversation with any and everyone. If you want more of a push to do things that challenge you every day, go follow my daily weekly challenge Instagram at feliz.daily.challenge. Please continue to share life chatter to your friends and family. Until next time, ciao.